This is AgriPulse Daybreak West for Thursday, June 9th. Good morning. I'm Jeff Daly. Here's today's headlines. COVID-19 notifications could stay a while. PG&E stalls new water initiative and UN ambassador. Commodities needed. California likely to keep notifications for workplace outbreaks. Lawmakers are looking to extend for another two years a requirement for employers to report COVID-19 outbreaks to public health departments. A Senate committee yesterday passed a proposal along party lines. Labor interests cited the latest surge in subvariant cases and the continued use of testing and masking in the workplace. Others recited the long-running mantra that we have moved on from COVID-19, but COVID-19 has not moved on from us. But a coalition of business groups represented by Cal Chamber advocate Rob Moultrie argued the world has moved on since Newsom first signed the mandate into law in 2020 at the height of the pandemic. Moultrie reasoned that vaccines are available. Many workers have felt comfortable returning to the workplace. The Republican vice chair of the committee argued illnesses are not as severe as they initially were and that holding businesses to the same requirements would be, quote, over the top. Voluntary cutbacks along Russian River hit a snag. The state water board this week approved a novel agreement among Russian River water right holders to reduce use and share the remaining supply. This one praise from board members as well as a diverse set of stakeholders in the watershed. It could allow some farmers to still have a crop this year. But the year-long effort hit a sudden roadblock when Pacific Gas and Electric made a surprise request a few weeks ago to instead store most of that water in a reservoir upstream from one of its powerhouses. The program steering committee, however, remained confident PG&E would come to the negotiating table. This raised concerns for agriculture as well. Policy advocate Justin Fredrickson called the California Farm Bureau his fans of this approach, but said that without PG&E on board, the agreement would have ramifications for several counties, lots of agriculture, and millions of people who rely on the water. Primary sets up November slate. California Representative David Valadeo, member of the House Agriculture Appropriations Subcommittee, looks to be the Republican candidate for California's District 22. But he's the likely underdog in the general election against State Assemblyman and Democrat Rudy Salas. As of yesterday, Salas had 47% of the vote in the open primary to Valadeo's 25.7%, with results partially counted. With a new, largely Democratic district in the northern San Joaquin Valley, Assemblymember Dave Adam Gray of Merced has beat out Paul Arbalo, who ran for the House in 2020. Gray will face Republican John Duarte in November. Yellen critical of U.S. tariffs on China. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen offered a sharp criticism yesterday of U.S. tariffs on Chinese goods, promising to reconfigure the import taxes while her department continues to review them. This administration inherited a set of Section 301 tariffs imposed by the Trump administration that I think really weren't designed to serve our strategic interests, Yellen said in a testimony before the House Ways and Means Committee. While China is guilty of unfair trade practices, she said, 
It's American consumers and businesses that are being hurt by the tariffs on more than $300 billion worth of Chinese goods. The Treasury Department is looking at how it can, quote, reconfigure those tariffs in a way that would be more strategic, she said. You can read our full report at agripulse.com. Ag groups welcome USTR nominee. The White House is finally out with a nominee to be the administration's chief agriculture negotiator, and the pick is Doug McCallop, very familiar to groups who've interacted with USDA over the past three decades. Chuck Connor, president and CEO of the National Council of Farmer Cooperatives, says McCallop, quote, has been a champion of America's farmer, rancher, and rural communities, making him an excellent choice for the role. U.S. Apple President and CEO Jim Baer calls McCallop, quote, a home run pick. McCallop has been serving as an advisor to Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack, and Baer says he's been talking to him over the past few weeks on trade issues critical to the health of the U.S. Apple industry. National Milk Producers Federation President and CEO Jim Mulhern says McCallop has a strong background in agriculture, earned while serving in numerous positions with the White House and USDA. He brings an informed perspective on how to best drive policy and support American agriculture, and he will be ready to lead from day one. McCallop has held a number of positions at USDA during his career, including Director of Legislative and Public Affairs and the National Resources Conservation Service. You can read our full report at agripulse.com. Consumers don't know what they want on fertilizer. It is no secret at this point that farmers in the U.S. and the world over are struggling with skyrocketing fertilizer prices. But Americans are conflicted or probably just confused over what farmers should do about it. According to a monthly Purdue University survey of consumers, 58% believe farmers know best how to use fertilizer on their farms. But 55% also agree that farmers should replace synthetic fertilizers with organic fertilizers. And some 45% say farmers should reduce their use of fertilizer. Now, just 37% of consumers agree that synthetic fertilizers are needed to keep food prices low. Such results suggest a lack of understanding about the impacts of use of fertilizer in agriculture. Purdue economist Jason Lust writes in a blog post, he cited Sri Lanka as an example of what could happen if farmers lose the use of synthetic fertilizer. And one more point, about 20% of the survey respondents say they grow some food at home, though there's no way of telling from the survey how big those gardens are. But about three-quarters of consumers never intend to have a garden. U.N. Ambassador Press's call for commodities. Linda Thomas-Greenfield, the U.S. Ambassador to the United Nations, highlighted the need for in-kind food aid at a hearing to address the global food crisis triggered by the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Greenfield told the House Appropriations Subcommittee yesterday that 80 countries, quote, have aligned with our roadmap to combat global food insecurity, which calls for increased humanitarian assistance and in-kind food donations, among other actions. Why it matters? Well, the Ukraine supplemental that passed Congress last month provided more than $4 billion to the U.S. Agency for International Development for an account that's primarily used to provide food assistance through cash or vouchers rather than commodities. 
There was very little funding in the bill for purchasing U.S. commodities for overseas aid. U.S. aid has generally preferred providing cash assistance rather than U.S. commodities. Now take note, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, who oversees U.S. aid, hosted a global food security summit last month that laid out its roadmap. It includes a call for U.N. member countries, quote, to provide in-kind donations and necessary associated costs to key humanitarian organizations for transportation and delivery of food commodities that based on assessed needs by governments of affected countries or humanitarian associations. Well, here's today's She Tweeted It. Another great night for nepotism in the legislature. That Los Angeles Times columnist Laurel Rosenhall remarking on the children of current or previous lawmakers taking the lead in three primary races. Well, that's Daybreak West for this Thursday, June 9th. For the latest news out of Washington, D.C., visit AgriPulse.com. For AgriPulse Daybreak West, I'm Jeff Alley.